Well, good morning. Great to see you. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. Just want to welcome you today as we're going to go into our time of teaching right now and this new series that we got going. So if you're, um, if you're brand new, I want to welcome you. Inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. Encourage you to take it out. Still raining out there? Is it still raining for those coming in? All right. Uh, is this supposed to rain all day? Is that, is that the plan? All right. Okay. So uh, once you reach inside, take that out, and we're going to jump in. You guys ready to go? Okay, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here and to take this next step on this journey as we talk about uh, this path to life and the priorities that lead us there. We pray that you would lead every step of this, uh, this time together, this message. We pray you'd speak with power and clarity. We'd hear your voice and we'd learn to listen and follow. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we started this brand new series. It's called Priorities, A Path to Life. And uh, for those of you who are here, you kind of know this, but the controlling metaphor of this series is that uh, the Bible often compares our lives to a journey. And uh, it says that in the same way on a journey, there are paths that lead you to the right place and paths that lead you to the wrong place. That there are paths, uh, there are paths in our lives that, that lead to uh, freedom. There are paths that lead to fulfillment. There are paths that lead to joy and, uh, and strong families and relationships and financial blessing and, and all those things. And, and the Bible calls those uh, the paths of life. And, uh, and then there are paths that lead us to frustration, to pain, to regret, to heartache, to disappointment, and the Bible calls them the paths to death. And so the point of the series is you want to choose wisely because the path you get on will lead you to its appointed destination, whether you realize it or not. And so the last couple of weeks, we started off the very first week, we laid out five foundational principles. You see them there on your note sheet. I'm not going to take a lot of time to go over them, but the priorities are, are like paths. Secondly, our choices reveal our priorities. We talked about new priorities require a plan. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, the right priorities often feel wrong at first. They're counterintuitive, countercultural. And then finally, the new priorities require trade-offs. You can't have everything we want. If you want the best things in life, you have to be willing to give up some of the good things in life. And so we've laid those foundations. And last week, we started with the very first step on this journey. And we said it was a step called pursue. And so Jesus was once asked, of all the commandments uh, in the Bible, uh, what is the most important top priority? What, God, what does God care about most in our life? Remember he said that the top priority is we pursue God with a whole heart, our whole passion. We love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. That's number one. And when God's the center, the rest of our universe, the planets, the priorities come into alignment. Uh, when he's not, when we take something else, part of creation, we put it in the center of our life, our number one priority. Remember I asked you the question, what's in your box? What's your number one priority? Uh, we put something else other than that. The rest of our priorities will always be out of alignment, and we'll never find the, the, uh, the satisfaction, the fulfillment we're seeking because we are created for the creator, and only the creator can satisfy us, not the creation. So we said step number one, we're going to pursue God. We're gonna, what does it look like? Love him, to know him, and please him is top priority in our life, and that's where we start the journey. Well, today we come to the second step, and the second step is to learn to listen. Once we put God in the center, we put God in the box, we say, God, we want to we love you, please you, we want to know you, uh, the next step is to learn to listen to this creator <coughs> who loves us and wants to lead us on the path of life. Now, you would think this might be fairly easy, right, to learn to listen to the creator who loves you, uh, but the reality is all of us have been listening to other voices our whole life. Um, there's a song that my wife and I love that, I can't even remember the name of it, but there's this, this line that says, your voice is the loudest voice in my head. And uh, in our lives, we go through, we have all these different voices telling us which path to take, and, and learning to listen to the voice of our creator is actually very difficult, and yet it's the key to life. And so today, we're going to jump in and talk about this. There in your note sheet, you have a section it's called Listen, the Path to Life, and I want to lay out five principles that are going to lay foundations, not only for today, but really for the rest of the series, because we'll come back to some of these concepts time and time again. Let's just jump in. Number one, the first principle is that according to the Bible, listening leads to life. Like If you want to, uh, to live the path of life, to walk the path of life, you're going to have to learn to listen to your creator. Now, this makes sense because if you stop and think about it, this is where we got off track as a race, isn't it? It's like uh, so long ago, the garden, things were going well until we stopped listening to our creator. Uh, the great enemy came and said, basically, his line was, hey, if you want to live life to the full, you can't listen to God. Like he's got ulterior motives. He's not looking out for your best interests. 
uh, if you want to experience all that life has, become the person you're created to be, uh, you need to listen to me and listen to other voices. And so that's where we got off track. And you remember the end result of that was death. It was death on every level, relationally, uh, sociologically, psychologically, um, spiritually, and physically. And so it makes sense that if, if not listening got us off track, it's listening that's going to get us back on. And when you turn to the Bible, you see this over and over again. And I just want to give you two or three examples to get us started. Uh, first example is you remember that last week uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And right away, remember, he cited Deuteronomy chapter 6, a very famous passage, probably the most famous passage in all the Old Testament for Jews at his time, because Jewish men would quote Deuteronomy 6 every day of their lives. It was a passage called the Shema, and it was this passage where it says the number one priority is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. We talked about that last week, right? Key to life. Um, but what I didn't point out last week is how the passage starts. And so I want you to look at this there on your note sheet in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, The very first word in Deuteronomy 6 in verse 4 is what? What do you see? Very first word. Hear. All right? Hear or listen. Now, in Hebrew, the verb for hear or listen is the verb shema. And that's why this passage is called shema, because it's the first word. It's interesting. Like the Old Testament books, they... Uh, they don't call them like Genesis. They call them the first word of the book is the name in Hebrew of that book. And so this is called the Shema. So the very starts off and it says, hey, if you want to love God, you want to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, what's the first step? It's to hear. It's to listen. And as you study the Old Testament and also the New Testament, what you find out is that in both the Hebrew and the Greek in the Bible, the word listen or hear carries with it often these connotations of not just listening with your outer ear, but it carries the connotations of following. So when God says hear or listen, he's not just saying like listen to what I'm saying, he's saying listen and follow. And so uh, here we see right at the beginning, Jesus says top priority, listen and follow. If you're going to love God, uh, that means to listen and follow what he says. Remember, one of our basic principles of the path is that it's our choices that reveal our priorities. Remember that? It's not our intentions. It's our choices. And so what Jesus is saying, if you say you love God, but you don't listen and follow, you don't really love God. In fact, in 1 John in the New Testament, John will put it like this. The person who claims that he's come to know him and loves him and doesn't do what he says is a liar. So it's not what we say, it's what we do. And the first step of really pursuing God then is to learn to listen and follow. Second passage is in Hebrews, I mean, is in Proverbs chapter 8. In this passage, uh, Lady Wisdom, so wisdom is personified as a a woman in Proverbs. And so uh, Lady Wisdom is speaking to her sons. She's saying, here's the path to life. And she says, now then, my sons, what, what did she say? What's the next word? Listen, Shema. She says, sons, I want to lead you to life. Listen, Shema to me. She says, blessed, uh, happy are those who keep my way. So listening and keeping. Uh, Listen, Shema, to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. So to listen means not to ignore. Blessed is a man who listens, Shema, to me, watching daily at my doors waiting at my doorway, for whoever finds me finds life, path to life, listening leads to life, and receives favor from the Lord. Third passage, New Testament, Jesus is talking, using the famous analogy, I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, they follow me, I I lead them, Uh, I've come to give them life. And most of you are probably familiar with the John 10.10 passage, the first one, he says, I have come, the whole reason I've come, Jesus said, is that they may have what? Life. You, this is what you lost when you rebelled so long ago in the garden. I've come to give you back your life. I uh, said, I've come that you might have it to the full. Fulfillment of life. Life to the full. And so we're familiar with that passage, but many of us probably are not as familiar with the, what he says later on in the same passage. In, uh, down in verse 27, he says, my sheep, those who follow me, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they what? Follow me. So throughout the Bible, 
It says, you want to walk the path of life, the key, uh, we're going to pursue God first. We're going to make him our top priority to know him, to love him, please. And that's the first step. The second step is once we've done that is we're going to learn to listen. We need to hear his voice. We need to listen and follow. It leads to life. Now, number two, the second step, and this is incredibly important, critical, put neon lights around it. If you only remember one thing from today, this is it, is that God speaks to those who listen. And pretty much no one else. Now, in the Bible, you'll have examples of God speaking to wicked kings or what I mean, kind of writing them off, or there's a message or whatever. But, but by and large, if you look at who is the people that God draws close to, who is the people that God speaks to, who is the people that, that God leads, uh, it's the people that are really willing to listen. They're ready to listen and follow. Now, this is really profound because many times in our lives, we will say, I really want God to speak. I'm trying to decide, should I marry this girl? I'm trying to decide, should I take this job? I'm really, I'm, 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 God, I don't know what to do with these teenagers. What should I do? Uh, I'm not sure with this career, this ministry. They're asking me. And we, we come to God and we say, God, I, I need you to speak. I need you to direct me. And often we don't feel that direction. We don't feel it like he's directing us. We kind of feel like God's not speaking to me. Maybe I'm just not one of those chosen people that he speaks to or whatever. And what we don't realize is the reason God is not speaking is because we are not ready to listen. You see, the reality is for many of us, we treat God as if he's a cosmic consultant. Now, you know how a consultant is, right? You have a problem, you bring in a consultant. They give you advice. And then you decide whether you're going to take it or not. Um. You don't always listen to your consultant. He's like, hey, you're a pretty smart guy. Why don't you come and check it out and uh, tell us what you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Don't agree with that. And this is how we often treat God. When we say that we want to hear from God, what we often mean by that is we would like him to consult with us on our life. Hey, I'm dating this girl. What do you think? Yeah, I think you should drop her. Okay, well, I think I really like her. I'm going to keep her. Okay. <laughs> uh, God, I just can't, I can't figure this out. You know, this whole career thing. I'm not really sure what to do here. And it's like, I could lie. If I, if I tell the truth, I'll probably lose my job. You know, tell the truth. Yeah, no, nah, that's what I thought you were going to say. No, nah, I don't think that. Uh, you see, so what we often do is what we want is we want God to speak because we really want his point of view. Because we know he's pretty smart. He's been around a long time. He's seen a lot. And it's like, we really want him to speak, but... We're, we're going we're gonna to let him speak, and then we're going to decide after he speaks whether we're going to listen or not. And here's what I want you to catch. God doesn't speak as a general rule. He doesn't speak until we're ready to listen and follow. And this is actually an act of mercy on his part, as we'll see later, because the reality is if God speaks and you don't listen, it ruins you. When God speaks and you don't listen, you are worse off than before you asked. And so if God were to speak every time we ask and we, he knows we're not ready to listen, it would ruin us. We'll talk more about why that is later on. And so out of his mercy, God often doesn't speak because we're not ready to listen. And so you see this all through the Bible. And you see it uh, many times. We say, God, I want you a more... Uh, vibrant relationship. I want a deeper relationship. I, I want you to lead me and guide me, but we really don't. What we want is for him to get us out of our jams. We don't really want to come under his leadership and trust him to be the architect of our lives. And so you see it throughout the Bible. Like one example is there's a very famous passage in Jeremiah 29. I'm sure many of you have memorized it. You see it in Bible bookstores. This is what I call a plaque verse. It's uh, that Jeremiah 29, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope, and many of us are probably familiar with that verse, but we, we don't understand the context, and we stop reading two verses too soon. So here's what's going on. The nation of Israel has been in rebellion for hundreds of years. God has warned them time and time again, if you don't turn back to me with a whole heart, you're going to be destroyed. Your nation's going to be lost. You're going to go into exile a thousand miles away. You're going to be conquered by a superpower named Babylon. They're on the verge of that happening. Jeremiah, the prophet, is pro prophet. That's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. But Jeremiah knows that once the people have got into Babylon, 
They're going to wonder, does God still love them? Is there any hope? Is there a second chance? We screwed up our life, but is there a second chance for me? And through the prophets, God always says this. He always says that I will not stop loving you. There's a future. There's a hope. And so in Jeremiah 29, God is saying that when you're in Babylon and when you're far from me and your lives have been ruined and they're a mess, I want you to know that my eye is still on you. I still love you. I still have a plan for your life. And so in that context is what he's speaking. And so he says in Jeremiah 29, uh, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, declares Yahweh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Now, if you're like me, when you're in a jam in your life, you're going through a hard time in your life, you take refuge in this verse, right? God has a plan for my life. It lo- it, right now, it looks like it's a mess, but God is bigger than that. It's going to be part of something he's going to do. It's amazing. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to hold on to that. But what we miss is what comes next. Because two verses later, here's what God says. You will seek me. In other words, right now your life is a mess. Right now you're going into Babylon. Right now it's going to be a disaster. But there will come a time in the future When you come to your senses and you turn around and you seek me. And he says, when that happens, he said, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your what? All right. So so you see that historical, what's going on here? Rebellion, resisting God, not listening to his voice, go into captivity. They're going to be there for 70 years but towards the end of that 70 years, they're going to come to their senses. They're going to say, what is wrong with us? They're going to realize we need to seek God. They're going to turn back to God with all their heart. And at that point, God is going to reveal himself and begin to carry out his plan for their life. You see that? And so many times we want to take refuge in this verse that there's a plan, but we haven't sought him with all our heart. We're not in that spot. We're not listening. We're not following. So you can't hold on to the promises of God if you don't hold on the conditions of God. That doesn't make any sense. And a lot of times in the Bible, I'll say, if this, then that. You can't hold on to then if you don't hold on to the, the if. Like, if you don't meet the conditions, then the promise is void, right? And so God says, I've got a plan for your life. It's amazing. I'm going to bless you, and this is when it's going to fu- come to fulfillment. It's going to come to fulfillment when you begin to seek me with all your heart. See, God speaks, but not until we're ready to listen and follow. Dallas Willard, the famous uh, USC philosophy prof, uh, this is a great Christian thinker, went to be with the Lord a couple years ago. But in his book, Hearing God, which is a great book, he says, our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it. That we want it only when we think we need it. And so what happens is we have this kind of selective hearing. We get in the jam now, we're, God, would you speak? But God doesn't really work that way. He speaks when we come under his leadership as God. We put him at the center. We put him in our box. And now he's able to guide our life, and, and that, then it all works. Right? Okay, number three. Number three is that God speaks through his word and his spirit. And so when we talk about God speaking to us, it's important we talk about how that happens and, and what we mean by that. Um, as you look at the Bible, God speaks to his people in a wide variety of ways. Like God speaks uh, through, um, he speaks through verbal voices, actually hear it. You can, he speaks through internal voices. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through signs. He speaks through wonders. He speaks through uh, conscience. He speaks through nature. He speaks through his peace. It's a wide variety of ways that God communicates. But when you look at the Bible, you think of our lives, there's kind of two primary ways that God speaks today. Uh, and the two primary ways is he speaks through his word and he speaks through his spirit. And they actually work together. And so let's talk about that. Uh, in Psalm 119, there in your note sheet, there's a famous passage that uh, is very representative of many passages in the Bible. Where the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So it's again, journey language. And, uh, and, and so the psalmist says, hey, it, going through life is like going through a dark night. You're not sure always which path to take. But he says, your word uh, illumines like a flashlight. It lights up the path and shows me the path to life. Right? 
And so this is uh, very common, frequent teaching, that the Word of God uh, is given to us to guide us in the path to life. And so this is very important because one of the things about the written Word of God is that it's objective, right? Uh, like there's times in our life we may think we're God speaking, but we're not sure. We may be in the ideas He's speaking, but we're off track. But the nice thing about the Word is that it's very clear, right? So if someone comes to me and says, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to leave my wife and marry this younger woman, I with assurance can say, I do believe you're being led by a spirit. I just don't think it's the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> because the word is very clear on that, right? And so, and so, um, and so the, the, the beautiful thing about the word is it's very clear, principle-driven. It shows us in general, here's the highway to life. But the reality is, in our life, we often need more specific direction, don't we? Like, for example, the Bible will tell us that uh, when we get married, we should only marry a believer, a follower of Jesus, someone who shares our faith, uh, commitment, passion for Jesus, very clear. Um, but the Bible won't show me which of these women fits that cra- for me, right? It won't, like, hey, should I continue in this relationship or not? She loves Jesus. That doesn't necessarily mean that I should propose, right? So I'm going to need more input from the Spirit on that. Uh, let's say that... Um, The Bible says that as a follower of Jesus, you have been chosen before time to uh, not only come to Jesus, but to play an important role in this epic plan to bring all of creation under the leadership of King Jesus, and that here and now, God has supernaturally gifted you to play an important part in that epic drama, and uh, we know that's true. The Bible is very clear in that, but the Bible won't tell you when someone calls you on the phone and says, hey, we have a position in this, a ministry opening in this particular ministry. We think you would be great. Why don't you join? The Bible won't tell you whether that ministry has your name on it right now. Uh, The Bible will tell you as a follower of Jesus, if you want God to bless your life, you need to be generous and give to God kind of off the top his kingdom. The Bible's very clear about that. But the Bible won't always tell you how much, when, exactly how, which part. You know, you get a lot of things in the mail, a lot of worthy ministries, a lot of needs out there. It won't tell you what you're going to need the Holy Spirit for that. So are you with me on this? That we need the word to kind of chart the general path. We're going to need the spirit to direct us within that. And so the Spirit and the Word actually work in conjunction because the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and so it works in conjunction. So for example, when you came to Christ, like when you come to Christ, when a person comes to Jesus, this is one of the first signs that they've been born again, is that the Bible suddenly starts making sense. Prior to coming to Jesus, you try reading the Bible, it's like sawdust, and you come to Jesus, and you don't need more education, or you're not smarter, or something along. You just, you open the eyes, it just starts speaking to you powerfully, like you sense there's something supernatural. What has happened is the Holy Spirit just kind of turned on the light. Uh, I think of when Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, was walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he's just explaining the scriptures. They don't even know it's Jesus, and they'll later say, we're not our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us. So so what happens is the spirit begins to open up the word and we begin to understand the principles and the path of life. This happens as you're following Jesus, as you're you're, uh, coming to church, you're reading your Bible, that he begins to gradually, like the dawning of a new day, he begins to show you the path to life, doesn't he? And he begins to show you like, hey, this is the path to life in your marriage or this is the path to your life in your dating or your finance or whatever the thing is. This is a slow dawning, and so God speaks to us through his word as the spirit makes it come alive. I'm sure many of you have had the experience of going through a hard time in your life, maybe a time of trial, you're crying out to God, and you come across a passage of scripture that just speaks with force and clarity that you sense it is God speaking to you personally. I remember when, uh, when I was 19, um, I was uh, driving back to uh, Wheaton College in the Midwest. It was about 40 below zero. And uh, I was driving with some guy from California. We were sharing a ride. I was sharing his car, uh, paying him for gas. Never met him. Um, and so it was kind of an awkward drive, actually. But anyway, uh, we, we got into Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Illinois. And uh, we had to stop for a hotel. And so we, we get out. I have to go back to the car, get something in the car. It's seriously windshield 40 below. He's got one of these cheap aluminum keys. Uh, he only had one key. And uh, I stick it in the door and turn it and just snaps off. 
And so uh, we're going to, you know, there's no locksmith until Monday morning. We're going to be there all weekend. Uh, we're going to be late to classes. And, uh, but from the very beginning, I had a sense, the Holy Spirit was telling me, you are here not by accident. There's something important going to happen this weekend. I don't know what that was. The next day, I'm reading my Bible, and I won't go into all the details, but out of the blue, I'm reading in like a prophet of all places, and this verse comes off the page, and I just sense God speaking to me, you are to drop out of school, go back, and marry Lynn. My parents were pretty sure I hadn't heard from God. <laughs> 40 years later, I'm pretty convinced I did. But, and so... So there's times where God speaks, right? That he speaks through his word. He enlivens it. There's times where the Holy Spirit just gives you a supernatural sense about something that you're to do. You probably experienced this. Times in your life where you just, you hear a ministry. Like for some of you today, the kids' ministry announcement goes on. There's just something within you that says you need to, you need to respond to this. And you can't explain it. It's not like logical. It's not like you thought it through. It's just, a, it's just something intuitive speaks to you. That God's calling you. There's times where uh, you just like, hey, someone comes to your mind and just keeps coming back. I need to call them. You haven't talked to them in two years. You call them and you find they're so glad. God just put you on my mind. Is there a reason? Yeah, I just found out that I have cancer. I can't believe you'd call. Can we pray together? You know, there's just things like this that happens. God downloads thoughts and, and they come with a particular power and clarity and weightiness. Now, hey, hear me on this. The first thing you have to say is that we're talking about the subjective side of hearing the Holy Spirit. Of course, we have to measure it up with the Word of God, right? Like, that's our guardrails. So when come and someone says, comes, I think God's calling me to leave my spouse because this other woman, we just really connect, and I've never, you know, it's like, okay, no, it's the wrong thing, right? The Word of God's got like the guardrails. It's going to help you discern that. But this is a really important thing, that we learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through this series, we talk about priorities. You talk about discerning what's the good versus the best. You're going to need some help in this. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to be your counselor. Remember what Jesus said, that after I leave, that I'll, I'll send another counselor to be with you forever, and he will guide you into all truth. We all need that. It's one of the gifts of being a Christian. As we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in our life. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. He's going to direct us. It's very real. And my experience is, is that many times as followers of Jesus, that we actually experience this long before we, uh, before we actually recognize what's happening. Uh, I remember uh, the first time I remember God really speaking to me this way was I was in high school. I will not explain all the details. I'll just say that I was in high school. I had made a commitment to God for a variety of reasons. I wasn't going to date for a while because I really need to focus on him and all of a sudden, this incredible, beautiful woman comes into my life who loves Jesus and loves me, and it's awesome. And so I bail on Jesus and my commandment, and I take the woman. Right? And a few weeks into it, it's like a storybook relationship, never experienced anything like this before. And one night, I'm reading in Ecclesiastes of all places. <laughs> right? Like, you know it's God. <laughs> it's like the most depressing book, you know? Life is vanity. It's all vanity. Shoot yourself, you know? Uh, uh, and so, and in this book, there's a verse that jumps off the page of me and says that a good name is more to be desired than riches. And you say, what does that have to do with dating a beautiful woman? It's like, I, I can't explain. The Holy Spirit was just telling me that, Mike, who you are, your character your core character, your name is the most important part of you. The choices you make that flow out of your character, that's the most important part of you. Your name is who you are. And right now, you are not being true to who you are. And I broke up with her. And can I tell you this? It was very painful, painful for her, painful for me. It's what happens when you don't listen to the Holy Spirit the first time. It causes pain. But, and you know, here's the thing. It wasn't until about three years later I recognized that was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Three years, later, three years later, this began to happen to me all the time, where God would speak in this word, very common. But that was the first time I experienced it. And I didn't even put it all together. You know, many times it takes a while for us to learn to discern God's voice. 
But as we get older in the Lord, as we listen and follow, we get better and better. You've had this experience. Some of you may say to me, Mike, I don't experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't hear his voice. And I'd ask you, hey, have you ever been in church and you felt like the message was just for you? Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Well, who do you think that is? I love it. People are telling me all the times how God used something I said to speak to them, and I didn't even say it. They're like, that was so powerful when you said this. I'm like, dude, I'm glad that really spoke to you. I didn't say that, but the Holy Spirit did. You know, it's like, you see, when we're reading the Word and it's coming alive, when you're in a message like this and you sense, man, this is for me, that's God speaking. And as we grow, it's so important we learn to listen, we learn to discern. And here's the thing. The moment you get serious about God and you put God in your box, bank on it. Your ability to receive what God is saying is going to go up drastically. God is waiting for you to come to this place of absolute surrender in your life to where you're not just asking advice and then deciding whether you take it or not. You've made the decision. You're going to take it before he speaks. You become like Samuel, that young boy where God first appeared to himself who became a prophet. And remember what he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is what? Listening. You see, he, he was saying he's listening in the sense of following. He said, God, you speak, I'll follow. We come to the place in our life, we say, God, I want to know you, I want to pursue you, I want to love you. You speak and I will follow. Expect to start hearing from God on a much more frequent basis. I love what uh, Bill Heibel says there in your note sheet. Uh, His book, Too Busy Not to Pray, says authentic Christianity is not learning a set of doctrines and then stepping in cadence with people all marching the same way. It's also not simply humanitarian service to the less fortunate. It is a walk. Catch the path language. It's a walk. It's a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, and catch this, communicating God. And so many times we come to Jesus, we invite people, hey, do you want to give your life to Christ? You say, no, I'm not religious. You say, I'm not either. In fact, I hate religion. It kills. It killed Jesus. I'm not, talking about a rela- I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about what? A relationship. That's what we tell people. But what is the mark of genuine relationship? The mark of genuine relationship is what I call two-way communication. Like I can email the president every day of my life. But until he emails me back personally, we don't have a relationship. And so as followers of Jesus, it's so critical that we learn how to hear his voice through his word, through his spirit. Bill goes on and he says, so the heart and soul of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and then developing the courage to do what he asks us to do. Did you catch that? The heart and soul of authentic Christianity, learning to hear God's voice, the courage to follow. Uh, And then next, Henry Blackaby adds from his book, uh, Experiencing God, if a Christian doesn't know when God is speaking, he's in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. Get this. There are times in our life when God allows us to go through times of confusion, darkness. That's part of our journey. We all go through that. God does some of his best work in the dark. So I'm not saying it's like always, you know, answer a minute. I'm not like that at all. But there's just a sense that when we begin to sense God communicating with us, I'm telling you, it changes our relationship with God at a core level, that we are not alone, that he's with us, he sees us, he knows our name, and he's speaking, he's directing. Now, number four, the fourth principle is we can't pick and choose what we listen to. If you want to hear from God, you can't pick and choose, and I think often this is what we, we tend to do. That as followers of Jesus, there are certain areas of our life that are easier to listen and follow. Maybe because we were raised that way, or it's natural for us, or it's not a challenge, and there's other ways that are harder. And so what happens is often we pick and choose. Like maybe we listen to Jesus in terms of our finances, but we don't listen to him in terms of our sexuality. 
Maybe we listen to him in terms of forgiveness, but we don't live, uh, listen to him in terms of integrity. Um, and so we kind of go through life picking and choosing. But here's what I want you to catch. If you compare our life to a solar system, last week we said we got to put God in the box, we got to put God in the center. He's got to be at the center of our solar system for everything else to be in alignment, right? Well, here's, here's the next thing is that, is that when, when some of the planets in our life, um, like the priorities in our life, the planets are not in alignment, when we're not listening, it affects everything. And we often think that we can just compartmentalize our life and listen on some things and not on others, but they really flow in. For example, if your finances are a wreck, which is why we, add, we, we you know, offer courses like this Essentials course on finances, because we just believe that it's impossible to follow Jesus well without learning his principles of finances. Why? Because they impact all of life. And so if your finances are in a wreck, then chances are if you're married, you're going to have conflict in your marriage and you're going to be tied up in your resources, and you can't give as God wants you to do, and you will have one of the freedom you have to listen and follow in other areas of your life. And so if your finances are screwed up, it impairs your ability to follow Jesus. If your relationships are screwed up, like for example, you know, you got the finance thing down. You've trusted God with that, how you make it, how you spend it, how you invest it, how you give it. You got that all under control. That Finances are looking tight, but for you, it's the forgiveness issue. Like someone's hurt you deeply in your life, and so there's a lot of areas you'll listen to Jesus, but hey, don't ask me to forgive this person. I will never forgive them. I'll listen to you on anything else, but I, I, I'm going to hold on to this person, uh, and I'm not going to let them go. I'm not going to let them off the hook. Uh, I'm going to keep them in this box. Uh, I'm going to refuse to forgive. Guess what? That infects all your life. Because the reality is when you choose to not forgive someone and to hold on you are becoming a more bitter and angry person. And that's going to affect the rest of your life. And so we can't compartmentalize. So often we come into our lives, we come to our lives, we, we want to trust God and listen on some issues and not on if, other issues, and then we can't understand why our universe not is, in, is not in alignment. This thing is a system. It all works together. And as followers of Jesus, as we follow him, what he typically does, the Holy Spirit doesn't typically work on just one area, uh, on all the areas at once. The Holy Spirit is just such a smart teacher. He just comes in, he begins to work on one area maybe, and we kind of work on that, and then we get that done, okay, now let's work on this. And he just is very gentle in the way he leads us through that. But here's the greater danger. The greater danger when we're not listening in select areas of our life, what that usually suggests is that area where we will not listen is a false God in our life. It's a false God indicator. Like, for example, uh, say, say the young woman that is, uh, say, following Jesus, she's serving well, she's using her gifts for the kingdom, uh, she may be um, uh, handling her finances well, she's uh, doing well in her career, she's a woman of integrity, but she's sleeping with her boyfriend. What is that telling me? Remember what we learned about our priorities are revealed by our choices. What it's telling me is that probably this boyfriend is in her box or romance is in her box. Okay. What it's telling me is that, that there's something more important than pleasing God in her box and her unwillingness to listen to the clear teaching of the word on that topic is a box indicator. It's a, it's a light on the dashboard of our lives. So when we refuse to listen in a specific area of our life, our marriage, whatever, what it is, it's like a light coming on the dashboard of our life going idle, idle, idle. It's like it's an indicator that that area is more important than God, you see? And that's why we're not willing to listen. And here's the thing. When we refuse to listen to God and when he's critical areas of life, that it changes us. And this is one of the most important principles of spiritual life. That many times we truly believe we can use God as a cosmic consultant and listen or not as we choose and that we remain the same spiritually. 
You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, here's where my love for God is. I can listen or not and stay at that same level. That's not what happens. What the Bible says happens is that when you know what God is asking you to do and you say no, that you change. You change at a core level. Like go back to that Ecclesiastes example I gave with that that girl. If I had said, uh, no, God, no, I disobeyed you the first time, and I'm going to disobey you now a second time, no, I would not have stayed the same. I would have moved further away. I would have lost further capacity to hear from God. This is what it does. The Bible describes this, uh, its term for it is hardening of hearts. It says that when you... When God speaks and you resist, it's like there's a, like a, uh, like a defense bear, uh, kind of builds up, like a hard shell. In fact, it's interesting. Oh, my mind was just going there. It's interesting because in the Greek, that hardness is like where we come up with the term today of sclerosis. In, in Greek, it's a sclerosis of the heart. It's a hardening of the heart. Um, and so we lose our ability to hear from God. And here's the thing, we don't even realize it. You know, sometimes people will say something like this, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll ask God to forgive me later. And what they don't realize is that will God forgive them later? Yes. If they're sincere, God will forgive them later. Here's the bigger danger. The bigger danger is they will not ask for forgiveness later. You live in sin long enough, you can't handle it. You begin to justify your sin and redefine righteousness. And you come to a place where you either don't care what God thinks or you don't think you need to ask for forgiveness because you have turned darkness into light. By the way, this is what's happening in our culture right now. And so what happens is when we reject the light... um, we choose darkness. We don't stay the same. You know, the man who's drinking too much and his wife is trying to tell me you have a drinking problem and he continues to say, no, I don't. He gets more and more dull to the truth. Not more and more sensitive. When you reject truth, there comes a hardness. Now, my description of this, I call it the dimmer switch principle. So picture this, you're out in the forest at night, it's completely dark, you've got a path in front of you, you can't really see the path, and you don't know where to go, you're lost, and you see a light in the distance. With every step you take towards the light, what happens? The path gets brighter. You're moving towards light. But if for whatever reason you think, oh, I think that's the enemy camp, or whatever it is, you, you, take, you go the opposite direction, what happens? With every step, it gets, the path gets darker. It's like someone's turning up a dimmer switch or turning down. So when God comes to you and shows you the next step in your journey, and you don't like that step, and so you choose to turn away from that light and walk the opposite direction, it's like a dimmer switch is getting turned down. You don't stay the same. You lose the light you had. That's why Jesus said, be very careful how you listen. Because if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so this is critical for us. That if we want to live the path of life, that we have to become people like in Proverbs 8 that daily wait and listen at the doors of wisdom. God, what would you say? What would you speak? And we will listen and follow. Oswald Chambers puts it like this. He says, the golden rule for understanding in spiritual matters is not intellect, but obedience. Obey God in the thing he shows you, and instantly the next thing is opened up. God will never reveal more truth about himself until you have obeyed what you already know. Catch this, that things are dark for us spiritually. It's because there is something we will not do. Proverbs, right above it, describes it like this. He says, the path of the righteous, kind of picture, picture this like when I'm out hiking at night and the sun's coming up. He says, the path of the righteous, if you are trying to please God in your life, it's like the first gleam of dawn. It shines ever brighter until the full light of day. And so 
as you continue to follow him, you're trying to please him, it's like the, the sun's coming up in your life. It gets clearer and clearer. He says, but the way, notice that path language, the way of the wicked uh, is, dark, is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The longer they walk on the wrong path, the darker their lights get, the, the more they lose understanding. They don't even know why they're stumbling any longer. They can't even see why. And so uh, we have to be very careful what, uh, not to pick and choose. And number five, the last principle, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but I want to hit it quickly because um, we'll hit it again next week, but I, I want to begin to plant the seeds for it, is that it takes time to listen. Uh, can God speak on the run? Absolutely. Can he speak in the shower? Absolutely. Can he, um, can he speak uh, during a worship song? Absolutely. Uh, God can speak. He's very creative in this. But the reality is you look at the Bible that, that if you want to hear from God on a regular basis, if you want his wisdom, that you have to create some time in your life to listen. There needs to be time where you're listening to his word, time where you're listening for his spirit, time where you're processing what you're, the life you're doing together, decisions that you're making, having those discussions, and there's some time set aside. It's really interesting to me, in the Old Testament, there's a, very, uh, kind of, there's a passage about the coming of the Messiah that's very unknown. I hardly ever hear anyone talking about it, but it's one of my favorites. It's in chapter 50 of Isaiah, and the, the Messiah is speaking, and he says, the sovereign Lord... Uh, remember Yahweh, Yahweh has given me an instructed tongue. So the Messiah is saying that, that uh, Yahweh has, has taught me how to teach. He's given me an instructed tongue, so I know how to teach. Uh, he wakens me, what's it say next? Okay, let's try it again. He wakens me what? Morning by morning. Why does he wake me up? He wakens my ear to what? To listen to Shema uh, like one being taught. And so the Messiah says that when he comes, that he will be wakened morning by morning by Yahweh to be instructed. And so how he teaches. And it's very interesting when Jesus comes in the Gospel of John over and over again, he says, my teaching is not my own. What I hear is what I speak. And you see this pattern in his life. In fact, in the next verse there in Luke chapter 5, it says, the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So life's getting really busy. But look how he responds. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You say, why did he do that? Because Jesus knew to stay on track with his life, his calling, his mission. If he wanted to live life by design and not by default. If he wanted to live his life, not let his life be controlled by everyone else's life and the different voices in his life. He knew that he had to get alone with his father to be clear on what his assignment was, clear what his teaching was. And so that's why you see Jesus before he, before he, uh, before he chooses the 12 disciples. He spends the night alone with God in prayer. After he feeds the 5,000, they want to make him king. He spends time alone with God in the mountains till 4 in the morning because he needs to get clear and remember what his calling was. You see it throughout his life that Jesus knew that if he wanted to lead well, if he wanted to live well, he needed to carve out time in his life to listen to his father and, and how much more so for us. So I want to pl- begin to plant that seed because if you're going to live a life by design and not by default, you're going to have to create some space in the midst of our busy, crazy culture to get away to listen. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Three of you thought so. All right, so um, one key question, then. This all leads to one key question. And so here's the key question I have for you today as we wrap this up. Is, them, is uh, There in your note sheet is, who are you listening to? In your life, um, what is the loudest voice in your head? We've seen today that we got off track as a race. We stopped listening to God. We started listening to the enemy and other voices. The question is, what is the loudest voice in your head? Who are you listening to? So let me get even more specific. When you have major decisions to make in your life, who you're going to date, whether to stay in this relationship, how this marriage is going, how I approach my marriage. We had conflict last night. How should I solve that? Here's our finances. What should we do? Here's the ministry opportunity. Should I take it? Uh, This career, should we move? Uh, When you have decisions in your life about how to design your life, how to structure your life, the choices in your life, the question is, who, uh, uh, what are the loudest voices in your head? Who are you listening to? And to get even more specific, 
when the voice of the word and the spirit are saying, go right. Remember that verse in Isaiah? You will hear a, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And, and the question is, when you hear the voice of the word and the spirit saying, this is the way, walk you in it. But your parents are saying something different. Your spouse is saying something different. When your culture is saying something different, when your boss is saying something different, when your colleagues are saying something different, when the media is saying something different, when your friends are saying something different, when the voices in your head collide, whose voice do you listen to? And here's the thing. If you tell me whose voice is loudest in your head, I can tell you not only which path you're on, but which destination you're headed to. Let's pray. God, we want to be a people that listens to you. You said, my sheep hear my voice. They listen and they follow. And God, we would be the first to admit that often we are weak and trusting you for whatever reason is hard. It's just part of our old nature, I guess, that we... We often think we know better, or we think our friends know better, or our culture knows better, or we don't think it'll work. For whatever reason, we don't trust you. And so we listen to other voices. And we want to be the first to just admit that, confess that. We want to ask for your forgiveness. And we want to pray to God that as we pursue you and put you at the center of our life, that you would teach us how to listen to your voice. We pray that you would help us discern your voice. Uh, But most of all, we pray that we would surrender and take that posture of speak, Lord, your servant hears. That we don't wait till till what you say to decide whether we're we're going to obey. That we are already in a posture that whatever you say, we're going to obey. And therefore, you will speak. And so, God, we pray you'd strengthen us in our weakness to surrender to that and to let your voice be the one voice inside our head that's the loudest. And so, as we worship as we come before you with our offerings, as even as we learn this new song together, we pray that you would meet us in a powerful way. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together. A couple of things as we go. Just remember, number one, that by our, uh, the five, far right on my side, your left, over by the far wall. If you need prayer about anything today, we've got a great prayer team that would just love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart. Number two, next week's going to be a very important week. It's called Design. And so we've been laying the foundation for this, of uh, pursuing God, number one, of learning to listen for his voice. And now we're ready to say, okay, let's, let's design our lives and let's learn the process that we're going to go through uh, to design our lives so we live the lives that God has created us to live. Uh, and we learn how to do that. It's a very critical week. I hope you can be here in person. If you can't, be sure to podcast it. Until then, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend.